show today is the 20th of january 2022 for some reason i felt like saying 2020 so um today we have a few headlines to go through a few topics that we should discuss and i thought what a better way to do it than have my friend join me so i'd like to welcome uh you know millie to the tory set show hey millie hey tory thanks for having me on yeah, no, thank you. We should have, like, uh, you know, done this whole Twitch, what is it called, like, gaming thing, where we were, like, together kind of thing. Um, I Today, you know, there's, like, so much stuff coming out in the news. Um, it's just pretty crazy. I mean, uh, Biden's getting called out left and right. Uh, they have, um, you know, Biden's State Department, Tony Blinken, who obviously is besties with Hunter Biden, is expecting Russia to move in on Ukraine, but he hasn't talked with Zelensky, which is weird, no? Right. I mean, how about Biden's press conference yesterday? Was that not insane? It didn't even sound like him. He sounded so bad. He was just bumbling and incoherent. And what was even scarier was all these like leftists rushing to his defense on Twitter and on social media. Like he was, he did a good job. He was fine. And it's like, sorry, but no, I mean, yeah, but he did talk for a long time. And you know, what's funny. This is the second time he's talked for more than 10 minutes and he doesn't even sound the same. They keep saying he has a cold. I don't know. I, it sounded to me like, um, he was having serious, uh, like lapses in memory and concentration. He couldn't think about what he was even talking about. Um, when the reporters were asking him questions, that was kind of the worst part. Um, I mean, he just, he had some horrible gaffes. Right. No, he did. He did. I mean, um, 
there's a lot. I mean, uh, let me show you this clip. Let me show everyone this clip. There was something with Saki that was just so funny um, because she was trying to clarify things, you know, about his quality time with the press corps. And it kind of didn't work out for him, right? It was so bizarre. Take a listen. You guys ready to go? You want to go for another hour or two? Yeah. My communication staff is a great help here. Uh, the communication staff was not they, happy about they, they that. They were probably like, <laughs> no, no, no. We, we want to go to happy hour. We <laughs> uh, never stay this late. Happy. You know, this was marking President Biden's first year in office. He was asked to reflect on how he's doing as president. And essentially, he did a lot of patting himself on the back. Listen. How do you think that report card looks right now? I think report cards could look pretty good if that's where we're at. All right. Yeah, but, that's going to come back to haunt him back to the midterms. <laughs> yeah, the American people are not convinced. Uh, he said he doesn't look at polls, but according to Political Morning Consult poll, 37% of voters gave President Biden a failing grade. That's more than his A and B grades combined, Sean. Yeah, and he's lost a lot of friends. Even in the media, CNN's Van Jones, a big liberal, admitted that Biden is losing and losing it as well. Take a look. I think it's have to be honest that you can be a, a foggy, meandering a president, say like Reagan near the end, if you're winning. But if you're foggy and meandering on key questions and you're also not winning, uh, then you've got a real problem. Wow. That's not good. That comes, by the way, as we watch. Okay, so Millie, I just wanted to say something. Doesn't Sean Spicer look like he's sitting on something all the time? I mean, yeah. I mean, it just looks so weird. And even Van Jones is like having a go at Biden. Uh, I'm just like, what was it that it was a Lincoln log? I mean, it just looks like he's straining every single time when he's sitting down. It makes me wonder if he has any sacral issues. I mean, I, anyway, let's just continue watching this because this is kind of hilarious. Well, well I wanted to, to say, like, I want to ask the viewers, like, did you guys see the part when the Newsmax reporter called out Biden's cognitive decline? That was insane. Like, he just straight called him out and Biden just sat there and was like, I don't know. Um, because it's a serious thing. Like, half of voters are questioning Biden's mental fitness. And that includes even the Democrats. Well, the thing is, his family already admitted in Hunter Biden's emails that he has dementia from like years ago. So they ran him knowing that he has dementia. So weird, you know, so I, I it's a human meat puppet to do the, the bidding of the fascist left. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's just, it's just, it all looks like theatrics. Like I'm so tired of it. And, you know, like uh, someone pointed out how Emerald was fired for being mean to Biden. Yeah. Cause she didn't get fired for her tweet. She got fired because, um, Newsmax told her that she needs to take it easy with Biden. That's ridiculous. I know. I know. Um, but anyway, let me continue this. I, I mute our mics because sometimes it echoes. That's why I mute them, just so you know. All right, here we go. Biden's, Biden's approval rating. rating. That's, that's what Van was talking, talking about. about. 
the, the approval rating is tanking throughout the year. And that's exactly that idea that Van Jones is sitting there saying. And that's, by the way, not just among Republicans, which is expected, but it's also among people like Van Jones, those Democrats. Yeah. And I can't say it's surprising that his approval rating is so low because Biden, the Harris agenda has it really has failed on every front. They campaigned on getting COVID under control. And when asked about it earlier this morning, once again, Vice President Kamala Harris, well, she laughed. In New Mexico, the National Guard is, bring, is being asked to be substitute teachers, all because of COVID. So it is not under control. So I'm going to try to unpack the various unpack it. Yeah, I know there's a lot. You but <laughs> no. yeah. There's nothing funny about that. No. Well, another campaign promise that has been broken is unifying the country. I mean, maybe he can start. Okay. So Millie, question. She just was asked a really loaded question, right? That they have National Guard teaching at schools and they just glanced over it. I mean, your take on this? That's just crazy. I mean, she was just asked, you have the National Guard standing in with teachers because of COVID. And she's like, oh, yeah, so let me. And it's like, and they just went over to the next topic. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? It's just what kind of world are we living in that that's okay in these in some of these people's minds? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm I'm, you know, shocked that she laughed. But I'm also shocked that they just jumped over that. Right. Like, oh, it's no big deal. National Guards are teachers now. It's like, um, that's a problem. Right. Well, how do you skip over that? Don't you unpack the fact that you have National Guards teaching in school because of air quote COVID? Like, I'm just confused on that and how they just laughed about her laugh about it, but not say, hey, you know, wait, what? We have National Guard teaching in New Mexico. And OK, she's laughing about it. But can we focus on the actual topic? Like that was like, OK, next. So let's see what they think is more important. They go next. By, By not berating the, the press, press corps. corps, listen to this exchange. Go back and read what I said. That is an interesting reading in English. You, you, I assume you got in the in the journals because you like to write. Man, I don't mind him berating the press corps, by the way. But it's interesting. I mean, and the reporter was actually right. He did go after Republicans. He used those analogies. He just doesn't like it coming back at him. White House Jen Psaki, though, this morning had to jump in and clean up these comments, though, that President Biden made about illegitimate elections. Take a listen. Imagine if those uh, attempts to say that uh, the count was not legit. You have to recount it or we're not going to count. We're going to discard the following votes. I mean, sure, it, 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 I'm not saying it's going to be legit. I'm not saying it's going to be legit. That's what he said, right? She then tweeted this out. She said, POTUS wasn't casting doubt on the legitimacy of the 22 election. He was making the opposite point. In other words, don't take him at his word. He was just saying stuff. I'll tweet out what he means. Mm -hmm. And John Biza did a fail again last night. Wait a minute. Did you catch that, Millie? Right. Like, okay, let's unpack that for a second. So he said that and then changed it. I mean, he's the one that said, I put together the best election fraud package ever before the elections. Remember when he said that? <laughs> and it was like, whoa, he's like telling the world. But what do you think of that? That they're coming back to say, no, no, no. It's like this. What do you think? Um, well, I think that it's clear that 
Kamala Harris and probably even Biden's wife are really the ones running the show. So they're just used to that. And, um, you know, they probably have some kind of talking earpiece in his ear telling him what to say half the time. And he's probably not even listening to it (laughs) half of the time. And I mean, it's just a mess. The whole thing, the Biden administration is a mess. Um, He keeps saying things he they don't want him to say. He has too many Freudian slips. And I think that they're just like, oh, no, no, no. Trying to cover for him. He didn't mean to say that. This is what he really means. Um, They're they're Biden splaining. Yeah. And and check this out. This happened today because of Biden has not spoken with Ukrainian president after he took offense to last night's remarks. Listen to this. This is a White House clip. Statement, the tweets and, and your statement last night, has there been any communication directly to Ukrainian officials um, to address any of their concerns that they had after the press conference? We have been in touch at a high level uh, with Ukrainian officials and leaders. Um, as you may know, uh, Secretary of State has been in Europe. Uh, he was meeting with Ukrainian officials a couple of days ago, European uh, leaders earlier today, and he's meeting uh, with his Russian counterpart tomorrow. Uh, so we have been in touch at a high level. Uh, they certainly understand uh, from those conversations uh, what the president meant. Uh, and you saw the president uh, make a statement or convey uh, clearly his point of view this morning, which is reflective of exactly what he said, most importantly to President Putin. Go ahead. Jen, just to make it very clear, has President Biden spoken to President Zelensky since his comments yesterday? Uh, he has not. Uh, he has spoken with him a couple of times, as you know, in the last month. But we have spoken at a very high level, uh, but below the president. Let me ask you if I can follow up the president's. Wait, so he claimed that Russia is storming Ukraine, right? And the president of the United States can't talk to the president of Ukraine. They just talk at a high level, but not the president. Are you getting that? Um, It's very interesting. Uh, I I personally think that uh, Biden and the Warhawk military industrial complex is behind him and that they're looking to try to enter into another conflict. Definitely. I'm just, it's just like so bizarre. Like why wouldn't the president of the Ukraine talk to the president of one of the world powers, uh, especially if they're going to be attacked by Russia? I'm just, they're speaking to a high level, but not a president level. And, uh, you know, that seems really weird. I mean, if president, Trump said, I want to talk to Zelensky. He'd be on the damn horn. Right. It, it Something seems amiss. I will say that. Yeah. Something seems very, very amiss. Now, um, today, I don't know. I, I think we talked about it um, as an exciting day because today FOIA requests are open season on Obama presidential records. And so, you know, um, my listeners have been actively busy because uh, they're super active. They're asking for FOIA documents on Ob- Osama bin Laden. I mean, the funniest one is requesting any and all communications between Barack Obama and anyone else using the name Joan Rivers between the dates of August 1st and December 31st. Like they're asking very specific things. I mean, if you are you going to file any FOIA request to find out something specific? And if you would, what is it? Um, I'm not really quite sure, to be honest. I'm seeing like a lot. People are asking for specific operations. I mean, you know, Amalgamated Bank would be a great one. 
um, you know, I told everyone just peruse my website and, you know, check it out because it'll give you some inspiration of what to ask for, which speaking of amalgamated bank, when was it that you did the report on it? I know I wrote about it first, but um, when did you do that report on amalgamated bank? I think it was like a couple of years ago, right? Right. Right. That's what I'm thinking because it was um, Glenn Beck. Let me find that clip. Um, he actually did a report on it in regards to um, amalgamated bank. And I was like, wait, what? I'm trying to find the clip. I'm not going to find it. Uh, did you, did you hear about um, the protesters that recently got arrested in New York city at the um, New York city museum that they even arrested a nine-year-old girl? Oh, with the vax card things. Uh, basically um, they didn't have vaccine passports and they arrested them all inside the museum. And they even arrested this nine-year-old girl who, it looks like she has the sweetest little face and she's all like teary eyed and crying. And when they're arresting her, it's just like, this is the craziest thing. I mean, why aren't you, we seeing more legal actions in New York? Like I, I've heard of some, but like, don't you think there would just be overwhelming like lawsuits? Yeah. I, I, you know, bottom line is New York is an empire state on its own right now, you know, and they're, uh, pretty much taking it to another level of, you know, communism. Uh, show me your papers or, you know, you're not getting anywhere. It's just, it's just really hard. But you know what? Andrew Giuliani is running for governor. That can all be undone with one election. And that's what's important right now. Because right. They, they've taken it to a level so far, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, there was there were posts online on Reddit and on Facebook today. And I shared one of the Reddit posts that was shared with me, which was very concise. But I'm going to read it to you. So in my country, they say, all mandates are removed last week. I see all vaxxed people furious, not because they feel deceived, not because they're worried about their health. They're furious because they were able to play the elite's for a couple months and a shitty jab made it possible for them. The majority took the vax only to travel, to go to cafes, to the cinema, to the gym and the mall. They were all too afraid to actually fight for something. They chose to play the elite role the government allowed them in exchange for their character, ability to think and decide for themselves, their bodies and most importantly, their health. They're furious because those privileges are now taken away. How can they go to the same places that unvaccinated are allowed? They took the vax to do that. They were promised. They're not concerned about their health. They want the feeling of being superior back. What a time we are living in. Like that is true though. Millie, all these people are like, oh, I did the right thing. I got the vaccine. So I get to go to a restaurant. You don't. It's disgusting. It it's is. Like, why do you think that you have rights more than your neighbor? You don't. We're all Americans. We all have equal rights. And you know, it's just, I can't believe that so many people are just turning the cheek and, you know, allowing this to happen. They're not saying anything. They're not standing up. Um, I know for sure if I was in New York City and I saw the police arresting a nine-year-old girl, this nine-year-old girl named Jayla, and also um, a, a woman named Julie that um, is wheelchair bound, they're arresting both of these women as well as a couple other people there as well. And you know, Julie had actually recently been ticketed 
by the police earlier in the week uh, just because she ate dinner at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, the restaurant. Oh, without her passport? Yeah, so she was ticketed earlier. I mean, this is disturbing. Like, you can't... Who gave her a ticket? So the police are on board with this? This is... Absolutely. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Isn't it? Because then it means the police is the problem, too. Where's their oath to the Constitution? Right. What happened to their constitutional oaths? Um, that so then there's the interesting thing of, well, do they are do their bonds hold up? Because a lot of times the police officers have bonds and the bonds are are based on their signature for their constitutional oaths. So, I mean, I think that there could be some potential legal remedies. It'd be interesting to see what some of the lawyers have to say about this. But all in all. I, I'm just like stunned that in the name of, oh, we have a Democrat leader, we're going to allow all out Nazi Germany style papers, please, to go on in New York City. Like, oh, yeah, no, it's all fine because we're doing it to ourselves. Right. But imagine if Trump were president right now and this was happening, we would never hear the end of it. We would we would hear the the mainstream media on and on and on of this is Nazi Germany he's Hitler he's literal Hitler protests in the streets everything else yeah well you know um, remember when President Trump was uh, appointing judges well you know now Biden's doing that before he's out and you know what's weird is he's taking over appointing judges in um, the Southern District of New York and. Uh, this is this is huge because, you know, the Southern District of New York is where Comey's daughter, you know, practices where all the let's get Trump is. And, you know, New York is like the epicenter. I, I, I think it's important for us to say uh, if we save New York, we can save America because all the other cities around the nation are citing. Oh, look, New York is doing vax passports. It's all fine. Everyone's vaccinated when in actual fact, you know, most of them have like bunk COVID cards, right? They're all buying them off of the Orthodox Jew doctors, you know, that are totally against this, right? Right. You know, so how do they know who's vaccinated or not? They just have cards. And then it goes, okay, so let's pretend the whole nation was supposedly vaccinated and had COVID cards, right? How would they know that they're actually vaccinated? Well, we know that um, we know what's coming next. The vaccine cards, like the little paper cards that you see right now, yeah, it's bullshit. that's just a temporary yeah. uh, solution. We've known this for a while for, you know, since the very beginning of all this, really in 2020, um, about how they have the biometric um, passports and the mm-hmm. and that's the whole point of them trying to put in the real ID. Right. And so, remember, we talked about this yeah. before the lockdowns. Right. So they'll just be scanning your ID and then your biometric data will be included within whatever barcode or um, information that, that they use to pull up the 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 documents and whatnot that are linked with your identification. So, yeah, you could be, OK, I need to go to a restaurant. OK, let me see your ID. Probably swipe it, scan it, whatever. And then they can pull it up. OK, so it shows you're good. And then you can go in and have access. And it might not even be that it actually shows anything like it won't like it probably won't even show your exact medical records because then they'll say, oh, what's HIPAA, HIPAA violation. But it'll just say whether you have like a, a green indication that you're good to enter. Right. 
Right. Well, the thing is, here's here's the deal. Remember when 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 we did that report and then right after that report, President Trump said indefinitely no real ID. Right. Remember, he did that. Like, mm -hmm. I think it was like a week. Oh, after. He didn't say well, definitely no real ID. He said we're putting it off yeah. and he greatly yeah. postponed it. And he said um, he didn't give like a, a an exact de uh, time mm -hmm. period of when they were going to retouch on it. So he just kind of like left it. it on the back burner. Right? Exactly. And that was purposeful because real ID is what IDs they wanted to put that next generation identification that I've been writing about since 2018. Right. And NGI is exactly where they were going with it. And, you know, Trump was like, yeah, we're not going to do the real ID right now. It's like not, it's not happening right now. And that was like a week after we, we put out that report where we were talking about how everyone's like showing their papers in, you know, Africa and how, you know, the UN is pushing this. And then, you know, with COVID, you know, we could see the writing on the wall. This is exactly how they're going to do it. And, and look, I've been being told, literally, I was told in 2012, it was actually, it's more like 2011 that all of this was coming. Literally, I was told all of this was coming and that there was going to come a point in time where there were going to be like pretty much door to door vaccinations with the, the military and that the government was going to be forcing people to get vaccinated. And the vaccines at that time, the source then told me um, that it was going to be like don't take the vaccine, whatever you do, because it's going to have nanoparticles. It's going to have things that are bad for you in it. Um, you know, and, and basically this was like a big depopulation thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I knew about this for quite a while. Um, I, I probably talked about it um, quite some time ago. I, I think well, I, remember I know we personally talked about it. Uh, I think it was uh, like before the election stuff. Right. I, I remember I'd been talking about this for quite some time that there was always this thing, this this plot that the New World Order people had. And so then when I first saw this pop up and they started publicly talking about it, I was like, all right, well, this is it. They're going for it. But even in uh, the, the summer of 2019, I had um, a high level uh, Canadian intelligence source tip me off like there's going to be a bioweapon uh some kind of a bioweapon event and gavin and i put that that report out on my youtube yeah, i remember i know the source you're talking about right and you know what they pulled youtube uh this year youtube pulled that video i know They've they completely deleted it they did not like that evidence up there that we called it out literally before it happened so. There was there was one video that they've chased down completely, which is, you know, the if I were the devil thing that was done by Paul Harvey, I had changed it and did if I were Obama. Right. And they've pulled that everywhere. Like it was sitting somewhere for a couple of years and someone reached out to me from their website and said they just got targeted because of that one video. And um, I've just been putting it back on my channel because, uh, you know, I'm constantly putting it like unlisting and then listing again mm -hmm. um, every single time. So it stays there. Even my, um, the video that I did about a year ago where it was like, show me your papers, right? <laughs> that was like, you know, it's constantly getting pulled down. Like they're going backwards and on Facebook, they've come at me for shit from 2018. Oh, your page is no longer being listened. They disassociated my Instagram from my um, Facebook page and everything. Uh, so they're coming 
hard on a lot of these things. You know, funny, um, funny we should say about these so, real IDs, but do you know that in Poland now, they've actually passed a new law saying that now they're testing people for COVID, but they're doing DNA analysis to see if they're vaccinated. They're actually doing DNA assays as testing people to make sure that they're actually vaccinated. Right. Th that's a violation. We have GINA Act here. They right. No searches and no illegal searches, all that. It's insane. I don't think that they're going to want to financially spend the money to like test every single person just to make sure some, someone going into a restaurant is, you know, vaccinated. Um, like, for example, there's a there's a paper on SSRN.com. And it's titled Mandating Vaccines Through the Real ID Act, a Federal Solution. And they basically say um, this, this paper argues that Congress can and should attach proof of vaccination to the required documents for real ID applicants. Doing so would effectively mandate vaccinations for all domestic air travelers. So yeah, they're, they're ID immunization mandate. Yeah, they're really pushing it and and they're trying. I mean, they're going to federal they're trying to federalize elections, right? They're trying to push people to get vaccines, you know. And now everything that I talked about over a year ago and I was like, "Look, don't look at COVID. What we should be looking at is all these laboratories cuz yay, okay, Wuhan, yay, you know, bat coronavirus. Yay, Pentagon already knew about it and they knew about the research and they knew about this. We need to be looking locally. And I was like, you know, telling my audience, hey, let me tell you about the first Ebola outbreak. It actually happened in 1984. And let me tell you how these vaccines work and the cholesterol and the fogginess and the way you think and this and this. And now suddenly all this, you know, and when a year ago, Millie, it was a year ago, I think end of January, maybe February, I said PETA's going to get Fauci. And now we're seeing all that shit coming to fruition, right? right. It, they found all the dog things and now all this shit in Texas. Wait till they get to New York, you know, the island and then Kansas, Wuhan, Kansas and Virginia. It's all going to come out. Um, but how do we undo this ID shit? How do we stop them from uh, putting everyone on uh, the blockchain? Because, you know, when when we're talking uh, identity, we're also talking money. And now they're, you know, in 20, what was it, 2018, when President Trump got into a fight with the Federal Reserve Chair, there was like this um, meeting that all the financial heads had um, in Montana where they were talking about the synthetic homogenous currency, which was a digital currency. And now that's actually being discussed to be in um in tangent with the IRS, get this, demanding that people verify their identity before filing taxes to the point that they have to take facial video of you before filing and that you have to sign up with that ID.me thing. Right. The IRS is now demanding that you verify who you are to file taxes. You know, it's just, it's all where it's going. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be enslaved by technology. That's what they want. That's their plan. Um, I mean, obviously we can try to do things to stop it. And you, you said like, oh, what do we do? How do we get them to not do the real ID? I was going to kind of like crack a joke and be like, hey, you know, maybe we just tell the Democrats, okay, we'll do it if you incorporate voter ID. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> then they'll be like, no, never mind. No, they'll but, probably but be like, okay, we'll compromise. You know, right. if I was the oh, yeah, right, compromise my butt 
they'll just try to do a sneaky paper thing because and they'll 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 have it be like a five thousand ten thousand page long bill that all of a sudden at the end it's like but we could remove the voter id part and just keep the bad part you know it'll be some little like in the very fine print, you Stuff know, it with pork, you know, that makes it different. But, you know, if I was the Republican Party, the corrupt Republican Party, what I would do is I would let the Democrats do all that and say, oh, well, now it's done. We're back in power. Don't worry about it. I would actually do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't it crazy how just the, how the Democrats can literally be just blatant hypocrites? Mm-hmm. Like they're just blatantly like, yeah, I'm a shameless hypocrite, you know. You know, I I think it's totally unreasonable and racist to think that Americans should have to have a voter ID, even though you have to have ID for everything else, pretty much. But, you know, we're totally okay with forcing Americans to have vaccine passports just to do simple things like go to a grocery store or go to a restaurant and eat something. Right. It's 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 pretty it's pretty insane. That's affecting the homeless population in New York as well. Like you know, they might not have the wherewithal or the know-how to go and get themselves vaccinated or any of that. And they're just being denied access to uh, eat food from little walk-in places. Right. And and where, where do they have access to eat food? They don't have homes to cook things in. And it's just, it's a really bad situation for uh, Americans. No, I agree. And speaking of, you know, um, compliance and COVID testing, check out what Adam Schiff said to all the Republicans to go into the G6 Intel Committee meeting stuff. Take a look. Last night, members of the Intelligence Committee were informed that Chairman Schiff has asked that the members of the Intelligence Committee present negative COVID tests in order uh, as per- in participating in normal committee events. We have a briefing coming up on Thursday He's requesting that we present negative tests in order uh, to, um, in his uh, in, in his words, uh, look to the attending physicians' recommendations for how to safely conduct uh, work here at Congress. So while Americans struggle to just get basic access to testing, while American workers every day risk exposure to the COVID virus, while American families where caregivers for the elderly worry about exposing their family members to COVID. While this administration has failed to provide sufficient tests in preparation for the Omicron surge, while American workers and families are facing vaccine mandates and vaccine ID mandates to go to restaurants and parents are dealing with closed schools, Chairman Schiff believes that members of Congress should be tested just to show up for work. The American public does not have this privilege, and we will not comply. The Biden administration failed to plan for needed testing for the American people. Schiff believes that um, he should have a privilege that that the the average average American worker does not. Whoa. What do you say on that? Let's unpack that for a second. I mean, that's pretty crazy and intense right there. Yeah, because what if you get a false positive? You remember when we were in D.C. and we... (laughs) I got that text from someone that I shared a drink with and they were like, Hey, so I got sick when I got home and I tested positive for COVID. What did I do? Delete, 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 delete. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, um, you know, that's, that's pretty interesting because while they have people, you know, they subpoenaed a lot of people now, right? So while they have people coming in, 
they can say, oh, I'm so sorry. You can't come in because you tested positive. Like, how do you, how do you prove different? I know they're saying, oh, you know, not everybody has tests, so it's not fair. But what do you think of that? Is that another way? They'll probably just say, oh, well, you can just join via Zoom or via video. You know, that I think that's probably what they'll say. Yeah. Um, but either way, I don't think it's good. Um, I'm not that concerned about our politicians, per se, as I'm more concerned about the American citizens. I'm, I'm concerned about how it's affecting everyday people. Um, and it's even scary with what they're doing in our neighboring uh, countries like Australia. Australia is one of the strictest with the, the vaccine. Yeah. And they're kind of like a canary in the coal mine. If they're doing it there... It's only a matter of time before they try to do it here. And well, I mean, that's where they went and planned it in 2018. They were all over New Zealand and Australia, if you remember. Obama, Clinton, Brennan, Comey. Australia just passed uh, the European Union's most strict COVID vaccine mandates. They made it mandatory and compulsory that mm -hmm. every Australian be vaccinated. Otherwise, they're going to be um slapped with uh $680 fines yeah, so they're starting to, to to penalize them with financial fines yeah well you know that's that's what happens right when you're in a disarmed nation right uh, that's what happens they disarmed them they they took everything and that was it but this is happening all over europe i know you know my mom's there right and she is sick and she has problems with clots and guess what she did she went and got the vaccine and she's constantly complaining to me like wear your mask do this and i'm like are you insane like they can't go anywhere i have friends that are in greece that one family member actually sacrificed themselves to get the vaccine so they're allowed to walk around like no joke Jeez. so like because they're not allowed to shop right at the supermarket they're not allowed to be outside. They can't go out to a cafe. They can't do crap. And I have a friend who her dad went and took it and said, you know, if I die, that's fine. You guys will be fine. He does all the food shopping. Um, he's the one that's working, uh, you know, for, for his adult children too. So that they don't pass it on to their children because he's like, you know, we don't know if they're going to stop you from having kids, you know? Yeah. Keep going and and you know now a family has downsized into one place so that they're literally they, they my friend said my dad sacrificed himself so that you know my kids and my husband and i have to eat and so he, we can take care of our mom because she's in a bad place so that we can get you know food and medicines and you know um do things i mean we don't go out unless it's like you know to our own property and because the police can stop you if you don't have a pass you actually have to ask permission to go to the supermarket you literally text it i kid you not you text it um, through your registered device where you got vaccinated, you know, that's attached to you. And you say, I'd like to go to the supermarket. And then they send you a one or a two that you're allowed to or not. Like, this is crazy. It, it reminds me, honestly, of my short time when I was in jail after I was arrested when we released Shadowgate. Um, it literally reminds me of that. Like, you had to ask permission, like, to do anything and everything. Yeah, I remember how like, oh, can we go outside and get some fresh air in the like caged off outside area, you know? 
please can we do this can we do that you know and and that's what they want they want everyone to just be living in their homes in like on house practically you're on house arrest and you have to ask for permission to go out and do anything and you have to have special cards and have to be in compliance they didn't care um and that was one of the things that really ticked me off is when I was arrested, um, they forced me to get some like tuberculosis sh- uh, shot or something. Oh, the, the subdermal one where they check it afterwards, they put a circle. Right. I don't, I didn't want them injecting anything into my body. I don't care if it's, Oh, we want to test you for tuberculosis. How do I know that that's truly what you're putting in my body? Yeah, yeah no, no, no. I agree. I'm comfortable with, you know, but then it's like, Oh, well, if you don't, then you have to be in, solitary confinement the entire time you're here and you have to be in your room and you can't come out in the commons area you're like stuck right Mm -hmm. so that it it just reminds me of that because it's like oh you either choose to get this shot or this vaccine or you're gonna be punished and you're gonna not be able to go in the public areas Yep. It's prison. They're treating us all like we're prisoners. Oh well you know I and I've been saying this and I know a lot of people disagree but I'm like what what's happening right now is not us preventing this from happening. It's already done. We're stopping it from being fully implemented, right? They have been building up this, you know, biometric network for over two decades, right? Under the guise of the Patriot Act, right? They were collecting all of this. Then this ID.me came out only for the military. Then they rolled it out to consumers. Um, Robert Cuthbertson of the FBI was the one that signed all the agreements. And then you had Obama pushing, yeah, you know, if you give veterans benefits and you use ID and me, you get all these tax things. And that was to them to see how the public gauges that, right? And then they rolled it out to, hey, if you're a teacher, you get a discount. Sign up with ID and me. And it's like all ID in me, all ID. And now to file your taxes in 2022, uh, you know, you have to sign up with ID and me, which is real ID on a digital scale. So they're not going to tell you, Hey, you need to do real ID and come down. They're going to do it the sneaky way. You want to file taxes? We need your facial recognition. We need a video of your face. We need all your information. And then all that's on the database. So we don't really need any more. We've already got this connected to your social security number and your IRS. So we've got all we need to identify you with real ID now. And they're doing it the sneaky way. Do you see what I mean? Right. And then saying, you need to get real ID. We want your IRS. We need this. Don't worry about it. You're going to voluntarily give it because you got to file taxes. So then the question is, do we have to file taxes? And what if everybody just got an accountant? Accountants would be hot commodity. Your accountant files everything for you. They're registered. So done. I'm just saying. Right. Maybe everybody just needs to have a nice friendly. And that, uh, that implies that everyone has money to do that. I mean. Uh, there the, you go. Bingo. So the poor people will like be on the system. The, the, the people in the, the middle class and the upper class that they get by, but then the poor people are subjugated. Yeah. So that's the point. They care about getting them first. Oh, you want your social security benefits? Are you fired and you need unemployment? I need to get your DNA on the blockchain. I need your facial recognition. I need all of this. Thanks. Because you always start with the poor people. They're the most vulnerable, right? 
You right. can get them to do whatever you want. They'll do somersaults as long as you give them money. And that's what they do. Yeah. And when they tank the economy because of all of the things that Biden's been doing, I mean, he's literally been doing every policy that you could imagine to try to destroy the American economy. And when they tank the U.S. economy, mm-hmm. when people are hungry, people are going to be lining up and being like, okay, sure, I'll do whatever you want. Just give me my food stipend. Right. Right. So that's their plan. But we're actually going to annihilate that. That's what we're going to do. We're going to try to we are going to circumvent it. We're going to operate in a way outside of it. And, you know, that's one of the things, Tori, I look, I know as like a journalist, we 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 focus so much on the news and sometimes it can get dark and and we can get into like negative um, modes because we're like, we're seeing all the things, we're seeing all the problems, right? And it's frustrating to see all these problems. Um, but I'm like such a, like really and truly, I'm a very solutions oriented person. And so when, I, when I hear like um, problems, I'm like, okay, well, let's think of a solution. Let's fix it. Let's do something about it. Because it drives me crazy after, you know, to hear about people complaining about problems and not do anything about it. So that's that's pretty much why um we gavin and i have been doing quicks honestly really and truly it's like i got i'm like okay everyone's complaining about censorship everyone's complaining about big tech we're we're all complaining about being kicked off of their platforms their processors their everything they say oh learn to code right and i'm like okay well let's let's actually do something let's get off of our butts and let's do something. And you know what? That's really why I really appreciate the Tori Says chat groups. Because you guys are like people that actually get up off your butts and do something. So I really relate with you guys. You know, I, I have a lot of um, respect for you. Because you guys are actually the few people that, you know, you're not just going to sit there and watch and not participate and just, you know, stare at a screen. And then move on with your life and continue to buy the big tech devices or buy all the poison eugenics food or comply and wear the masks and comply and just go get the vaccines because you don't want to be bothered by inconveniences. You guys are the people who say, you know what? No, I'm going to get up and do something about this. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to, you know, meet up and start making plans to have lawsuits and to take action at school board meetings. And that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take to take America back. You know, the the revolution in 1776, that was done by a small amount of people. Right. Well, that's that's the thing that um, people need solutions. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that I can gauge and I can I can really feed you guys a lot of fear porn and then give you a nice little blank. Oh, it's going to be fine. No, we have to do something. And that's the that's the beauty of it. All these, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Tori, you tell your people and they do. I was like, no, the people tell me and I do. Right. And and that's the thing. They won't tell me what they want done unless they're willing to do it, too. Right. 
So, so that's what's perfect that they're actioning, they're doing things. I mean, today, damn, the presidential archives of Barack Hussein Obama are swamped with FOIA requests. And And that's wonderful. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. The Biden administration doesn't stop in just implementing, uh, you know, all of these uh, globalist policies, which the question is, who are they? Because we need to get into that, right? But they're also trying to establish some holdovers. You know, I had... Really good conversations today. Um, obviously, uh, lawyers, um, you know, people that are in the movement, and something was, you know, you know, how many, many times I've said this, and I, I don't know if you were in front when I told, you know, really high level people, you know, you you've got to trust that there's people there working for us too, that are dressed in black, but they're really white, right? Um, you need to, you know, I trust Christopher Ray. Everyone hates me when I say that, right? Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. But you know, someone that I was talking to today after Dominion filed their response in my case, um, said, you know, it's funny you say that. Tell me why. And I, you know what? I just think so. I, I mean, I have faith that he is working for us because there's a lot of shit going on in the background that a lot of these red stringers are pushing that's wrong, but there is a lot going in the background. And my gut says that Ray is on team America. And I know a lot of high level people are like, are you insane? I'm like, I don't know, man. I know a lot of these guys, you know, I've seen them in action from the top you know, where I'm looking at operations that have been executed and how they function. And I've seen little things that Christopher Ray has done throughout his career, right? To give me that feeling because he was always playing ball with them, but he was always, you know, in high school, there's like the cool kids and then the nerds, right? But then there was always this one kid that was kind of a nerd, but the cool kids would still fuck with him, like do my homework, right? But he'd get invited to the parties. Do you know what I mean? Right. But he was really the nerd. That's who Christopher Ray is. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, I don't really know. Um, I don't know about Christopher Ray. Um, I don't look, I don't like to put my, my faith in our politicians, our leaders, our, you know, he's not a politician. I know he's not, but he's, he's, he works in the government. Okay. Yeah, he does. But a lot of people do. There's a lot of rank and file out there that I'm really pissed at because I'm not talking about level Ray, right? I'm talking lower level shit, right? They've been in three to four years. They've obviously seen shit happen. Why aren't they coming forward? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, why aren't they coming forward? Why aren't they saying anything? So I'm I'm saying for Christopher Ray, I'm on board and I am literally praying every day. I pray for him and I'm like, all right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because what are you hoping he's gonna do? Like, what do you think? Like, you you must believe he's going to do something. Well, like, he's letting he's him do, do he, country. Yeah, he's letting them do exactly what they want to do, which is violate laws. Okay. You would let the enemy do what they want. I mean, you know, one thing um, that's important for us, and we should talk about this. Why would you let the enemy do what they want? Because then you know exactly what they're doing. It's kind of like, how? why do I watch CNN? Because they tell you what they're doing. And the thing is, while we have Christopher Ray letting them do all their shit, we've got Durham getting shit done in the background. Right? You know, all these people are massively 
that Biden's putting up. And I want your thoughts on it. Guys, this is kind of interesting. So I just haven't seen any of these people look at this, go to jail yet. Well, so that's my whole thing, you know. Yeah. But look at this. Listen to this. ...is going to be proven right by Mr. O and many of the others that I've supported in the past. With that, I'll turn to Senator Grassley. Yeah. We want to hold over uh, 2710. Senator Klobuchar and I, along with 10 of our Senate colleagues from both sides of the aisle, introduced the bill that we're taking up today, addressing the growing concerns with competition on big tech platforms. This legislation prevents dominant big tech platforms from anti-competitively preferencing their own product or discriminating against competing products. This will ensure that there is robust competition on dominant tech platforms. Our bill will help level the playing field for small businesses and entrepreneurs that rely on dominant big tech platforms to reach consumers. I want to stress that this bill is not meant to break up big tech or destroy the products and services they offer that many of us, including myself, enjoy and use. Rather, the goal of the bill is to prevent conduct that stifles competition while ensuring that pro-consumer innovations and offerings are still available. The Antitrust Subcommittee held four hearings over the past year that directly explored all of these issues, including a recent hearing in December that focused on the non-discrimination competition issues that this bill addresses. The manager's amendment incorporates a whole lot of feedback that we received from both senators and stakeholders. Among other things, the manager's amendment addresses national security concerns by clarifying that the legislation doesn't require data to be shared with bad actors. It clarifies that a business can require user consent before sharing data with a third-party company. It ensures that foreign companies, including Chinese big tech companies such as TikTok, are subject to the same rules of the road. It provides that enforcement action can only be brought in, in federal, federal district court. These are just a few of the improvements that the manager's amendment makes to the bill. So I hope- Millie, what do you think about that bill? So it, sound, it, it looks weak sauce. I'm just gonna say, it, it, the sound of it is weak sauce. They're still allowing the collection of everyone's data, the spying on everyone. They just are saying, oh, you just have to like give them notice. So it's like, okay, well, like we're still update? gonna let you, these, yeah. these, these, these robbers rape and pillage the village. We're just, you know, you, you just have to give them notice that you're raping and pillaging them. Yeah, it's so basically it's like whenever iPhone gives you an update, they have a shit ton of terms and conditions. And if you right. decline, you have no services. Yeah, you don't have a phone. Right. It's like so, you decline and you can't use their phone. So there's not really an option, is there? When big tech controls the majority of the technology out there. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So it's it's not very fair, is it? And I don't see anything in this talking about and addressing about um, the, the censorship issues. Uh, it, it sounds like it's just kind of a weak appeal. and. Um, 
I don't really expect too much to come out of that. Honestly, we're still going to see people being censored, banned, everything else. I agree. Like everything is happening in, in the same manner, same business uh, that it has always been that, um, Hey, you know, yeah, you just need to give them a terms of service before you sell their data. And this is how we're using it. Sounds really weird. Sounds really weak. Sauce. Well, Hey, at least they acknowledge it, that they're, they're selling it to third parties into foreign countries and everything else. Um, well, they're actually creating databases for it. I mean, how else did, you know, just in 2021, Clearforce got the patent for using all your social media information that they buy to preemptively check. This was filed in September of 2021. They just got the patent. And it's like, okay, so you just got this patent and now all employers will run your social media checks through. And now they're pushing this bill. Yep. Here comes the social credit score. I'm telling there you. We go. There we go. Here. This is what they're doing. They want to collect everyone's data. They want to put us on the social credit score systems based on, oh, look, you went to a, a school board meeting and you said something at a school board meeting or you just attended. You know, your Facebook says that you attended this school board meeting, which um, the FBI now says that parents that were attending school board over mask mandates are extremists. Therefore, your social credit score has been dinged and went down. I mean, this is where they want it to go. And this is why, like I said, this is why we came up with Quicks. Mm -hmm. it, it is literally the solution. Like, look, guys, nothing's like nothing is, at the end of the day. Nothing is like perfect. But the fact that we were able to to actually create our own electronics with our own hardware, our own software, firmware, operating system, literally verifiable, no backdoors, no China backdoors. We have the encryption keys. Okay, we have our own encryption keys. We have everything. This is a private secure box with 256 end-to-end -end encryption. It's its own private network. We were actually DDoS attacked. You saw it, Tori, right? When we were yeah, there no, with, with we, when we were there with you know who. Yep. And we were showing it to him, and how our entire site was under a massive DDoS attack from multiple countries, and these countries also happen to be some of the countries that where you see a lot of the the sidle stuff coming from. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They were able to temporarily take down the site but they could not touch the hardware private network. All the video content on the boxes, everything was still available, accessible, everything. They couldn't touch it. And so, yeah, the powers that be, big tech, they are crapping their pants. They are freaking out right now about what we've been doing with Quicks. And that's why we've been under so much fire. I mean, we've just been being attacked relentlessly by the left wing people like at the Daily Beast and Will Sommer. Will Sommer is at the mouth. Anything. I mean, you know, he put together the Q documentary. How bullshit. They say, that? oh, uh. cuts, cuts, cuts. Where I told you, I told you, I told you. Okay, so oh, so they're, they're trying to say, oh, cuts. And then the other thing they were trying to say is, um, this is just a scam, right? And it's like, no, it's not a scam, okay? We have actual freaking boxes. I, I mean, piled up in my studio right now. And we have boxes galore in the, in the warehouse and, and boxes that are currently in the mail to people, okay? We've pretty much, while we've been c creating quicks, 
we've had so many obstacles and hurdles thrown at us. I mean, we're like taking cannon fire. We're taking, <laughs> we're having bullets shot at our way pretty much as we're trying to do this and, and get this across the line. And it's like, you know, I, I appreciate all of you test pilots who have had the patience and understood the timing delays, but you've got to understand we are doing the impossible while being attacked relentlessly. BlackBerry is coming after Quix's trademark. Why would BlackBerry QNX care anything about Quix if it was just some scam as Will Somner and his beta soy boys say it is? Huh? Right? No, it's not just the soy boys. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you might get upset about it, but it was it was really important that uh, you know, there were people from within that were talking with these soy boys, giving them information. Right, right. Well, of course, it's like, uh, you know, we were tipped off that the agency was going to come after us. And then here, here's the attack, right? And of course, it's a bunch of little groveling minion soy boys that are all, oh, yes, agency will do your bidding, you know, and, and they just go out there and, and all read off the nominal fee, of course. Right, the same talking points. And then, you know, one of them, it was really disturbing. One of them even said in his little video review of Quicks where he's smearing it with, with lies. He says, I don't want conservatives to be able to share and post whatever content they want when he's reading the description of Quicks. And it's like, this is the exact reason why we made Quicks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because, see, the left thinks they own tech. They think that they're the tech kings of Silicon Valley and they can act like little mini dictators and get to pick and choose who gets to say what on where because they're the ones with the technological skills and wherewithal to build the platforms, right? And build the electronics. But guess what? Not anymore. And that's why they're upset because yeah, we've no, created, we've created something truly valuable and unique. Um, the only other company I know of that can also do live firmware updates like QuickScan is Apple and the Apple operating system. Yeah. So this is like, this is why we're being attacked. Okay. Well, and we've had a lot of extremely talented people come together for this and make a lot of sacrifices. I mean, you know, Gavin has background in manufacturing and he called on some of his friends that he's known for over 20 years who are, you know, they're patriots. They are patriots, but they're also just regular business people. And they're putting their butts on the line right now, you know, to, to be able to do this and to make this all happen so that we can. Yeah, have well, really, the thing is, I think they're more scared considering that, since it's so secure that there could be messaging, I don't know, you, me, Gavin, maybe talking through this secure network Absolutely. too. And right. they're a little bit terrified that, holy crap, they could be off the grid and we don't know. And so I think that's a problem because I'll tell you why. So um, there's a lot going on today, right? So, you know, my lawsuit, my defamation suit, right? Only way that I'm gonna get justice for, for me, uh, because my affidavit was 100% on, was to file a lawsuit against these people because they, they're they now claiming that, oh, we weren't defaming Tory, we were just defaming the Kraken. And it's like, who the fuck was the Kraken, right? Now you have prosecutors in Georgia investigating President Trump saying that he was interfering in the 2020 election and they're asking for a grand jury. So that's happening. 
Then you have like all these traders are coming out of corners. So I thought um, that during this short break, we make it a little bit longer by watching this very interesting video. Right. I found this really nice video that explains. Um, uh, so, what, so get this, Tori. Okay. So yeah. you're doing this Dominion case right now. Okay. Which mm -hmm. Dominion and Seidel, they, they, you know, same, same kind of. Okay. Yeah. Um, don't so give away my while, while you're doing this Dominion case and we're literally at, you know, whose house with your lawyers and Gavin and I are there. And while we're showing the quick box, we get massively DDoS attacked by we do the trace routes and it's literally all from the same areas where sidles out of. Okay? Uh -huh. And when you say like, okay, it's probably because they they're worried about the private encrypting messaging capabilities on quicks and the information that we could share and archive on there that they would have no access to because it's a private network. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right there, Tori. Like, I think that that's what's happening. They're crapping their pants. Like, what are they sharing on those quicks boxes between themselves that we can't see? I know. You know, they were probably freaking out that you, you know, just the, just the fact that all of us were there yeah. and communicating through that. And then the box connecting to, you know, that network. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's crazy. Well, okay. So I wanted to take a break, but I wanted to express to people that, um, uh, you know, traders exist in all shapes and forms. And we've seen it, you know, when people were running for office, we're going to support Trump. And then they were the first people to be like, impeach, impeach, right? Right, right. So the Benedict um, Arnold's. Right. So I thought that it would be great if we took a break and watched this nice little clip about traders within. Spying has been called the second oldest profession in the world. 1985 would become known as the year of the spy when four Americans committed treason. Every time you caught one, it was worse than the one before. More astounding was the fact that they worked for four different intelligence agencies. Each of these agencies never believed their own people would turn against them. The breadth of the penetration and the damage done to naval and military operations, the loss of top secret codes, and the execution of our own spa-septing that is lucrative double life was ending. In the car being driven to a place where he was questioned, uh, he was overheard saying, think, 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 as though he might still somehow be able to get out of this fix he was in. Presented with the evidence gathered against him, Ames made a deal. He pled guilty so that his wife, Rosario, would get a reduced sentence. It was apparent from the wiretaps that she had known about his spying. Rosario Ames received a five-year sentence. On April 28, 1994, Aldrich Ames, 53, was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. He took an objective view of this. Uh, he said at the time, uh, you know, this is uh, the business of espionage. Uh, those took their chances, I took my chances. I think he used that expression. Aldrich Ames is serving his time at the Allenwood Federal Penitentiary in Pennsylvania. I spent about eight hours interviewing uh, Aldrich James uh, in prison uh, in 1994. 
What's he like? Uh, he's arrogant. He is uh, unctuous, oily, in a kind of a sleazy, charming way, like a snake. He's smart, uh, but uh, he disguised that fact by being drunk for most of his career. He is unrepentant. And for those he betrayed, even Ames' arrest can never bring back their lost years. What I would say uh, to him in prison, in his prison, um, I would say uh, that repentance or uh, his confession uh, as a human being is not sufficient. As a result of the Ames case, after years of animosity and distrust, a joint FBI-CIA team was formed to investigate future espionage cases. With more cooperation between the CIA and FBI and the end of the Cold War, many in government thought the worst days of spying were over until FBI agent Robert Henson proved what a dangerous assumption that could be. Robert Hansen, a senior counterintelligence analyst with the FBI, may turn out to be the most treacherous and destructive spy of the past century. Hansen spied for the Russians on and off for 20 years, even through the transition from the Soviet Union to the new Russian state. The FBI arrested Hansen on February 18, 2001, as he made a delivery to the Russians at Foxstone Park near his home in Vienna, Virginia. Earlier in the day, he had left a signal for the Russians, a strip of white adhesive tape on the park sign. As arranged, he drove back to the park later in the afternoon, walked over the small wooden footbridge, and placed a package of secret documents underneath. The FBI had him under surveillance and moved in. He didn't say a word. Not a single word, but one FBI um, agent told me that his shoulders slumped and he just sort of went limp because he knew it was just over. The FBI is still assessing the extent of the damage done by Hansen. But what is now known is frightening, especially in light of the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon. Hansen had revealed to the Russians one of the U.S. government's most highly guarded secrets, the continuity of government or doomsday plan. That is our ultimate disaster survival plan. This is what you do at time of attack. Get everybody back. Everybody. Attack on the World Trade Center, you saw that go into action. Where did the president go? Where did the leadership go? Where did the intelligence community go? We heard about the fact that the CIA left the building. Well, they didn't go out of business. They relocated. Where? That's a secret. Well, that whole ability to respond in time of a disaster is one of the greatest secrets that any government has. Hansen had also revealed sensitive satellite operations, as well as a $250 million tunnel the U.S. had built in 1985 under the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C. The tunnel, loaded with sophisticated eavesdropping equipment, became worthless overnight. When I look at, at Bob and I try to figure out what's motivating him to do all this, uh, the the thing that keeps crossing my mind is ambition. 
this is not money, it's not revenge, this is about being the best spy that there ever was in history against the United States for the Soviet Union. Hansen joined the FBI in 1976. Two years later, when he worked in New York City, he began his spying activities. He claims he approached the Soviets because he needed money to pay for his kids' parochial school tuitions. His wife, Bonnie, found out and confronted him. She catches him counting out the money. Well, she literally freaks. She's very upset. And she said, you've got to give it back. You, I mean, you, you, you can't do this. He goes to a priest and the priest says, okay, here's what you're going to do. Don't do it anymore. Donate the money to Mother Teresa and all will be forgotten. And that's what happened. But seven years later, in 1985, Hansen started spying again. He was not a happy spy. Dr. Alan Solarian, who spent several hours with Hansen in prison after his arrest, thinks Hansen returned to spying for reasons that had little to do with money. Internal demons, because he was fighting other battles internally, psychologically. His biggest problem was not spying. His biggest problem were other psychological issues. Robert Hansen is an enigma, a man who led two completely separate lives, each constantly at war with the other. He said in the course of our discussions that, uh, that this whole activity was sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde uh, situation where the bad guy took over at times. It seems like he had a bifurcated personality, almost a split personality, where one side of him could be completely church-going, uh, moral and um, uh, patriotic, and the other side of him can be the uh, mirror image, the uh, person who doesn't care that he's getting other people killed. Unlike Ames, who flaunted his wealth, Hansen did everything he could to hide the millions he was making from the Russians. At the time he was arrested, he was living with his wife Bonnie and six children in a modest middle-class community in Vienna, Virginia. His family, friends and neighbors thought him the epitome of an upright and moral man. It's just boggles the mind that Bob Hansen on one hand could rail against communism, say it's the worst thing in the world, be so patriotic, always espoused conservative moral values. On the other hand, of course, he's delivering material to the most sensitive material, nuclear materials, the, the, the strongest material we had to communism. Hansen seemed more at home in a world of extremes. A convert to Catholicism, he attended daily mass and became a member of the ultra-conservative Catholic group Opus Dei. But at the same time, the conservative, moral-minded Hansen was spending thousands of dollars on a stripper. Priscilla Gailey, who he had met in 1989 at a Washington, D.C. striptease joint called Joanna's 1819 Club. This is Victoria. She claimed they never had a sexual relationship, even though Hansen bought her a Mercedes, a diamond and emerald necklace, and took her on a trip to Hong Kong. He wanted me to go to a priest and confess. I guess he thought I had some deep, dark, secret sins, maybe, that I needed to get off my chest to change my life. He certainly gave more money to Priscilla, who 
gaily than he ever gave to Opus Dei, which shows you how twisted his mind became. Hansen's twisted behavior became even more apparent when investigators learned that he had sent naked pictures of his wife, Bonnie, to his best friend, Jack Hoshauer. And he installed a closed-circuit television camera in his bedroom so that Jack could view the Hansen's lovemaking when he visited their home. Hansen also created an adult website, writing erotic stories using his own name and Bonnie's. Hansen would quit spying again in 1991 and stay dormant for eight years. But in 1999, he resumed spying once again. He needed a thrill, he needed a rush. Maybe the $600,000 that he had gotten had run out. And seven years had gone by and his name had never come up. He had checked the computers of the FBI. No one seemed to be looking for him. No one seems to be suspecting him. So why not start again? Hansen seemed driven by a compulsion that went far deeper than money and would send him back to his secret life of spying. Some clues to Hansen's complex personality would come to light as investigators started looking into his past. The roots of Hansen's spying may go back to his family roots. As an only child, he idolized his father, a Chicago policeman, but he never lived up to his father's expectations. Bob Hansen's father, I, I think we're finding, is turning out to be quite a brute, who really was treated Bob very shamelessly. Bob, who was a high school um, science guy who was not a good athlete. His father is a Chicago police, big, tough guy, and Bob is not the kind of son he wants. He's the only son he has. All his life, Robert Hansen was an outsider. Some people have called Bob Hansen a geek. He was always a loner, a little bit strange. In 1966, Hansen graduated from Knox College near Chicago. He went on to study dentistry at Northwestern University. There, a fellow dental student, Robert Lauren, remembers Hansen being a bit eccentric. Bob dressed as weirdly as anyone could have at Northwestern Dental School because he wore all the time a black suit, usually a wool suit, I think, a white polyester shirt, and a black and blue or black and red rep stripe tie. Invariably, the same outfit, even under his gowns when we were dissecting cadavers, even under his gowns when we were doing really very dirty lab work. He also recalls Hansen's obsession with a book on Kim Philby, the famous British traitor who spied for the Soviet Union during and after World War II. And when I saw the pictures of Bob Hansen um, on the cover of a magazine, my mind immediately went to, the, went to the Philby book because that wonderful smile of his, those great white big rectangular teeth of his that I remembered when he was smiling with what could be done and what you could get away with, something like what Kim Philby did. And then when I saw his head, it's like 30 years later, it was like, oh my God, <laughs> he really did it. Hansen dropped out of dental school after two years and followed in his father's footsteps, joining the Chicago police force. If he seemed a bit strange in dental school, he was considered the perfect candidate for the police elite C5 undercover team. He was exceptionally bright. 
You know, he looked to be an honest, hardworking, bright policeman who came to me with excellent recommendations and excellent credentials. After three years with C-5, Hanson joined the FBI in 1976. Ernie Rizzo, a fellow undercover cop, believes even back then he had become addicted to the rush of an undercover life. I think somewhere along the line he went over the edge from the normal high and just completely lost it. But I, I can understand where it's, it's a high. And when you're working undercover all your life, you, you just see how far you can go. It's like Michael Jordan shooting baskets. You know, how many baskets can you shoot? Uh, I can't give this up. I'll come back out of retirement five times just to prove I can still do it. Same mentality. So spying was that kind of complication for Bob Hansen. And he knew that it was destructive. It was horrible. But it was giving him temporary relief from the inner pain that he was experiencing. Hansen's career as a spy began to unravel during millennium year 2000. A former KGB agent, whose name remains classified, turned over Hansen's file to the FBI. Bob Hansen made one huge mistake. Every time he delivered and made drops to the Russians, he wrapped it in a plastic bag. He probably thought, oh, well, they'll throw away the garbage bag and just keep the documents. Oh, no, the Russians, they kept the, the garbage bags and his fingerprints was on the garbage bags. After his arrest, and only weeks before his scheduled retirement, 57-year-old Robert Hansen was indicted on 21 counts of espionage. The government dropped its attempts to get the death penalty when Hansen agreed to tell all in exchange for his wife and children getting his pension. In return, the government agreed to life imprisonment without parole. When Hansen was captured, arrested in the United States. Someone called me and said, what a coup. I said, wrong. The coup was the Russians. They had Ames and they had Hansen. But ironically, it's the Russians who can be credited with helping uncover American traitors. Since 1985, former KGB agents have tipped off their American counterparts. That the American spy agencies were unable to find spies themselves was a subject of criticism by Congress. Makes you wonder, has anybody ever fired out at that place? Seriously, that was my question, and that's going to be my question of uh, the uh, director tomorrow when he comes up here. What do you have to do to be fired? President Bill Clinton, before leaving office, issued a directive establishing a new office to coordinate the different counterintelligence agencies in the hopes of identifying spies sooner. We realized that we weren't sharing intelligence. We weren't working together. We weren't uh, cooperating. And the more spies we had, the more Congress in particular was saying, hey, there's a problem here. And we don't want to stop it after the fact. We want to start, stop it before it happens. In the aftermath of the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon, it's obvious that temptations are greater than ever today for would-be spies. Rogue states, terrorists, and even allies are all vying for American intelligence, both military and technological. One of the best analogies I ever heard came from Jim Woolsey, the former DCI. We slayed the dragon, and as we cut him open, a thousand poisonous snakes fell out. And that's exactly what we're faced with today. Since the uh, early, late 80s and the early 90s, 
the numbers of countries and numbers of non-state actors, as we say, that have become um, interested in the United States and its technology, its economy, its academia, uh, has risen exponentially. Uh, and we are faced with uh, one of the biggest challenges in our history. And former KGB. General Oleg Kalugin believes it would still be wise to keep an eye on our old adversary. Russians have preserved imperial mentality. As a nation, they feel humiliated. Uh, people who served in the KGB, in the party uh, hierarchy, and even uh, thousands and maybe millions of ordinary people who lost faith in the future because of the impoverishment and dismemberment of the former USSR. These people feel nostalgic about the old days and they want to restore the whole great Russia. Even today, for some, money, sex, and revenge can overcome patriotism. And it's likely that spying will continue to be the second oldest profession. You'd have to say that with Ames operating the way he did for a decade, with Hansen at the FBI for over a decade, with the Walkers penetrating the most sensitive secrets of all for over 15 years, I don't think you could say with any assurance that we've gotten everyone, which is why they call this business the wilderness of mirrors. After Robert Hansen was finally caught, an independent commission headed by former FBI director William Webster was asked to investigate how Hansen had escaped detection for so long. Hansen claimed that any file clerk could download classified material from the FBI's computerized case system and simply carry it out the front door. The spy called FBI's internal security pathetic. The commission agreed with him. For the History Channel, I'm Roger Mudd. Thanks for watching. So, Millie, what'd you think of that? Um, it's pretty random. <laughs> no, it's not. It's actually something that's going to be coming up very, very soon. The president has always talked about the snakes. You know, he read the snake poem twice, right? And it seems like it's like spy versus spy, you know? Um, I mean, we saw it firsthand when we were in D.C. Yeah, How a, lot of, a lot of intelligence assets running around in the swamp, that's for sure. Right. And so, you know, it's it's pretty interesting. And Key is, is that most of these people will sell their mother for a dollar, but they will sell out for money, revenge, right? Or, you know, just to get off. I mean, it's the usual thing. It's like most of these spies, or let's call them contractors, right? They um, get off on honeypots and, 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 and prostitutes and strippers and, you know, witches and shit. That's the type of shit they've always been in. It doesn't change. It takes a very specific personality. I think it was that that CIA lady said, you know, when we hire people, you know, to do clandestine work, they have to be very specific. And there's very specific agents that you have, the smart ones, the ones that you know are going to burn themselves, right? And the ones that are 
um, you know, burners. Like we don't care if they take you. We just need the information. Um, but anyway, I wanted to um, to say that in a little bit, we're going to have President Trump live. So I thought I'd start it out um, because he's going to be on Hannity. But a Ukrainian official was shocked that Biden would give a green light to Putin. He's in a lot of trouble, right? We saw, you know, from the statements that Saki made earlier that, you know, he's not talking to Ukraine, right? But he's talking smack, of course, right? And right. now it's all coming down. So I thought you and me can watch this because it's live right now. And um, thoughts, because this is getting very interesting. Uh, you know, and uh, I wonder if he's going to talk about tech. Let's see. Let's see if he does. Let's see. Let's see. Green light to Vladimir Putin in this way. The big concern, of course, which is what he was alluding to, is that it gives Putin, and this is another quote from me, it said, gives the green light to Putin to enter Ukraine at his pleasure. And that's not just one Ukraine official. Other Ukraine officials have responded in a similar way. Today's Ukraine president also issued a response tweeting, quote, we want to remind the great powers there are no minor incursions and small nations, just as there are no minor casualties and little grief from the loss of loved ones. No matter what you think about Russia's looming invasion, keep this in mind. President Trump was impeached by Democrats, accused of being a Russian plant that was totally a lie for three years, planted by, oh, Hillary Clinton's dirty misinformation Russian dossier. Uh, then, of course, we had the issue of the routine phone call with the president of Ukraine. Joe Biden has now essentially invited Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine. Democrats, they could care less. The mob, the media can care less. Joe Biden literally giving Putin a waiver to build a pipeline simultaneously. He's firing thousands of American workers on the Keystone XL pipeline, high paying career jobs. Zero experience hunter makes millions from Russia, from an oligarch, a pro-Putin Ukrainian oligarch. As vice president, Joe leveraged a billion of your tax dollars, had a prosecutor fired in Ukraine for investigating his crack addicted son being paid millions with no experience. Uh, think about that. Does none of this seem strange to you? Let's ask the question. What if his last name was Trump? And still Biden's presser was so terrible in many ways that some in the media mob, they couldn't even hide their shock and horror. Take a look. It was a terrible moment in the press conference uh, when, when, when he talked about uh, a minor incursion. There is no minor incursion. At the end of the press conference, if you have to put a statement out to try to clean up what happened in the press conference, uh, that's not never a good thing. I think you have to be honest that you can be a, a foggy, meandering a president, say like Reagan near the end, if you're winning. But if you're foggy and meandering on key questions and you're also not winning, uh, then you've got a real problem. Yeah, let there be no mistake. He's no Ronald Reagan. Now, in fairness to Joe, there was at least one person that apparently loved his performance. The number one chief conspiracy theorist in all America, Rachel Maddow, claiming Biden held a lengthy press conference to show off his tremendous stamina in front in front of Vladimir Putin. Oh, OK. Now, of course, that stamina completely evaporated today as he tried to avoid and ignore any and all tough questions surrounding his blunder with Putin and Ukraine. Take a look. Why are you waiting on Putin to make the first move, sir? Thank you. 
Now, that was a question from our very own Fox News correspondent, Jackie Heinrich. And according to Obama's director of global engagement, quote, it isn't a stupid question. It's a really important one. We continue to allow Putin to set the terms, timeline and trajectory of the of this crisis. It's time we stop being so reactive and start creating some of our own conditions. Now, if Joe Biden actually wants to see something really stupid, he might want to look in the mirror because, according to his own colleagues, Joe was allegedly considered one of the dumbest U.S. senators in Congress. And now his steep cognitive decline is only making that matter really worse. In fact, today, for the second time, he could not even remember the name of his own infrastructure czar. Uh, Take a look at this embarrassing, typical moment. So thank you very much. And I'm going to turn it over to the... The guy who uh, I asked to uh, come out of retirement, not my retirement, but come and take over his gigantic job for me. Mr. President, thank you so much. I'm honored. This guy, that that guy has a name. It's Mitch Landrew, Joey. And re- remember the last time uh, you called him Mitch McConnell by mistake. At this point, is anyone in this country surprised that Joe's poll numbers are in the gutter? 33% Quinnipiac. Just today, a new low in the AP survey, a vast majority disapprove of his job as president. Only 28 percent of the American people want this guy to run for reelection. It's that bad. According to Trafalgar, that's Robert Cahaley. Republicans now have a 13 point advantage on the generic ballot. They started 2021 at a nine point deficit. Now, in an effort to boost his poll numbers, the Biden administration is trotting out someone even more unpopular than Joe, his vice president, Kamala Harris. This morning, she participated in a handful of televised interviews. Not one of them went well. And during a tense interview on NBC, not exactly the hardest hitting news in the world, Harris forcefully had to remind Savannah Guthrie that she is the vice president of the United States and deserves respect. Take a look. Ukrainian officials uh, reportedly heard these words from President Biden with alarm. I know the White House tried to clarify it uh, and clean it up afterwards, but was the damage done? You can't unring the bell. Is Vladimir Putin likely to listen to a later statement from the White House press secretary or the words of President Biden? I will repeat myself. And I'm vice president of the United States and the president and I work closely together. And I know his position because he has been consistent in that regard. Almost sounds like Al Franken on Saturday Night Live. Tonight, it's clear we have a president and a vice president. They are not up to this job. But I know this and you know this America's enemies. They're also seeing everything we're seeing. And sadly, tonight, as a result, the world and our country is less safe and it is less secure. President Trump will have a lot to say about it. He will join us in a few moments. But first, joining us now with reaction, former White House Chief of Staff, Ryan Priebus, and former Massachusetts Senator with a brand new knee and everything over our head. And we are in deep trouble. Our, our enemies, our enemies do not fear us. While we wait for President Trump to come on, right? Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching what's happening. Like this is literally what's happening right now. The world is on fire. We're hearing about wars, rumors of wars, you know, uh, Biden's like, yeah, go ahead, Russia. And then he's like, no, 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 we didn't mean that. We're talking with high level officials, just not the president. It just seems really bizarre to me. What do you think? I mean, Kamala Harris getting put on the spot. 
you know, uh, what's going on here? What do you see? I think it's crazy that Biden was like, oh, you know, it, it's it's if it's a minor incursion, it's OK. But, you know, if it's a, if it's a, a big, a big incursion, then, you know, there will be there will be consequences. It's like, man, could we have any weaker of a president? I mean, well, well, you the, know. The, the media coverage of, of Putin makes him look like he's some like alpha male badass. He totally is. Right? He rode right? shirtless. And on then we have this bumbling Alzheimer's idiot as our president. And then he's like, how, how much more of a weak statement could you make? I mean, Putin's just going to run roughshod over him and, and over the United States of America. Do you it, know what I would crazy. love to see? Putin standing next to Biden. And you know how men go like how they flinch at other men like yo what's up you know let me check you right i can see putin just doing that with his shoulders at him and biden start crying like we are so unrespected right like there's no respect and see here's the thing like i wouldn't even be happy about that i would i I would feel like i would feel i you know i wouldn't be laughing i would be angry because this is our country and this is supposed to be our leader and we want our leader to be respected. And that was one of the things that like, I really appreciated about Trump was like when he walked into these, these foreign settings with these other, you know, other rulers of countries and presidents and whatnot, he dominated and he Mm -hmm. commanded respect. Yeah, he did. People would walk aside and and he wouldn't even wait for them to walk aside. He would, he would wait a minute. There's, there's a clip. I'm just going to keep playing that on repeat. It's one of my favorite ones, right? It's this one. Like, hello. Right. It's like, he walks in like a badass and he's like, uh, move aside. When Trump walks into the room, he owns the room. But when he walks into the room, he doesn't even know where he is. He's like, all right, bitch, you just circumvented me. All right, that's what's up. I get it. He's looking at her. He's like, yeah, okay, I see you. Uh, You know, Merkel's like begging for his attention and he's smiling all cute and stuff. Like, yeah, this is, um, well, I'm not talking to you with the weird bowl cut. You know, he's, he's super on it. Look at, look at the, look at the respect he's getting from the Ukrainians and from the French and the way, you know, he squeezed the crap out of, you know, geriatric lover macron's hand pulled him up against him he's like yeah come over here you little guy (laughs) want to talk you know and he's pulling him on him and he's like yeah come over here come over here look at that he's like get over here let's get yeah Yeah, abe so funny he looks like the dude in a strip club in the back yo um (laughs) he's he's super cool there and he look at the dominance even though he let him put his hand on top He's dominating. That's that's a president, a one that stands tall. And Abe's like, damn, that hurt my hand. The guy pulls away. He's like, woo. You know, that was intense. <laughs> Look at India's guy. Hugs. And he's like, yeah, come on. And he pulls him in. Right? Uh-huh. That's like awesome. Right. Like that's the type of president you want. You want the president to bust through the crowd like that. And he's like, yo, I'm here. I'm turning up for America. That's what's up. Let me fix my, let me fix my jacket. That's what's up. Step aside, people. I'm here. Like, that's what we want. We want a country, uh, our country, represented by a leader, right, that people see and they're like, damn, he's here. It's like, you know, kind of like every morning when I wake up, I know the devil's like, damn, she's up. You know, the minute the feet touch the ground, (laughs) you know, and whenever President Trump would walk into a room, they'd be like, damn. And that's exactly what we want. 
Biden, it's like someone goes, boo, like that, just for a joke, like flinches at him. He'll probably topple over. I mean, he literally did poop his pants at the Vatican. He probably wouldn't even know what was going on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <sighs> like, he's, yeah. his, it's really sad. Honestly, it really is sad that they're having this Alzheimer man up there as, you know. It is. It's, it's elder abuse. Yeah, it's actually kind of messed up. It's like, man, this guy, he, he doesn't even know where he is half the time. Mm-hmm. He's just rambling and he can't even, like, he'll start a sentence on one topic and then it migrates into another and another and then he doesn't even know where he is. I mean, his his speech yesterday was so bad. There were several times where it was just like that dot, 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 loading, the loading signal going around. <laughs> and I, and t-shirt that has it that says loading. You loading, know, loading, loading, right. Yeah. And I literally, like, I tweeted out, which... You know, probably wasn't the nicest thing to tweet, but hey, I couldn't resist. I was like, Biden's brain runs at AOL speed. Because, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, I could just hear the like, bee, 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 burr, ba-dum, ba-dum, you know, <laughs> you've got mail. <laughs> I, I, I totally remember like dial up, you know, when it's right, yeah. slow and annoying. <laughs> well, the thing is, he's, he's getting worse and worse. But, you know, there's a report that I've been working on for two days to put out about Biden. And so as I watch this, you know, going and perusing through the Biden laptop for, you know, over a year now, um, I, I, you know, I felt like, damn, he's like at the epicenter, but he's obviously doing the work for someone else. Like it's evident that that Hunter Biden was at the behest of others, right? Because they were controlling his money, what he was about to allowed to have, what he can have. But then, you know, Biden, on the other hand, right? He he literally, while vice president and with our federal tax dollars, was conducting private deals. Like I have evidence of that. I'm not just saying it, right? Right. And um, and I'm like. So this is a guy that would go there and then someone else, and I found the someone else, swept in and closed the deal. And the person that swept in to close the deal was like, you know, a Chinese guy who's in jail right now. This is, again, why I'm, sur- I'm going to use the sacky term, circle back, um, to, circle back. Oh, yeah, gosh. circle back um, to the to the point that, you know, all all of this that's happening, there's people working for us, too. Because today, as I was putting the pieces together to write the the article, but to give that extra, hey, look who the closer is. And look, the closer was arrested under Trump. Look, he was brought to justice about this. Look, but that's as far as the FBI went, but they're not talking about this. You know, that's where, um, you know, it's starting to make sense that Biden was doing all these things and had, you know, Hunter fronting all of that um, uh, for someone else. And that someone else has got to be someone that's more coherent. Right. Um, You know, Dr. Jill is just weird. Uh, I can't see her. But I would say Obama put him there because Obama put him in charge of Ukraine. Right. Obama put him all in all these places. So he was, I, I believe that he was running point for Obama on all of this. And that, um, you know, from, from, you know, that chain of emails that I was looking at and putting them together, damn, it looks like there were people in the FBI 
that we're doing things. And, you know, this goes back to the big guy email, you know, where they're like the big guy gets 10, right? right. And the hunter's holding it for him. It's like big guy is pops because they called pops, which is Biden big guy. But is it really, you know, Biden? Because right now the way I feel this time, this moment in time is, is the same way the first three, the, the, well, the first four years of Reagan were. It wasn't a Reagan administration. It was a Bush administration, right? Because Bush Sr. was running, you know, everything in the White House after, you know, Reagan was shot and put in his place. So this is Obama doing what he said. I'll be in a basement whispering in his ear and da-da-da. This is how I see it. I don't know if you see that, but I'm starting to see the bigger picture now as I'm revisiting some of these emails with fresh eyes and considering, you know, the family's concerned, he has dementia. And this is like from years ago, so it's not now. So they ran a guy they knew was suffering from dementia. Just right. Saying, I, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, um, he had like brain surgeries and whatnot. I mean, the guy. At some point. Yeah, had, at some point. Yeah, he has problems. Yeah. Um, uh, before President Trump comes on, I wanted to tell you. So, you know, I'm filing my defamation suit, right, um, with Dominion. Yeah. And um, I filed it. And t- tomorrow's deadline where all of them except for Huffington Post have to respond. So today, Dominion actually got back and filed a motion to dismiss, which is insane um, because they didn't even address my concerns. All they did was smear me. Like, how do you win a motion to dismiss by smearing me? Yeah, that. I mean, there's supposed to be a a libel defamation suit. Right. So all they did was attack me and not address the concerns. And, you know, it, 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 it seems really weird that all of this stuff on Dominion is happening now because their deadline was tomorrow. And I, I don't know if you heard, but, you know, the January 6th commission subpoenaed um, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, and a bunch of others, right? And if you actually look at the questions that the January 6th committee has sent out to them, it all has to do with Dominion. And you and I both know, what did I say? Did I say Dominion was the only company that ha- that we have a problem with? No. Right. You were saying at that time period, you were saying, why are we focusing only on Dominion? Right. There's others. Like, like for example, with Seidel. Right. With the Kentucky um, heart uh, information that I had received from a whistleblower. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all heart intercivic and Seidel. Right. And this is Dominion and Seidel. And then it's something else inside. So the question is, you know, why are they thinking that I'm just trying to attack them? I never said that. I just proved that everyone has been talking shit and this is how it happens. Like ESNS, horrible. Smartmatic, horrible. I can't believe that Smartmatic, listen to this. They actually filed a lawsuit (laughs) against Mike Lindell saying they suffered. And I'm like, wasn't it like big news that they stole the elections in the Philippines and all that stuff? Like, how is it that they've been defamed by Mike Lindell? Oh, wait, we got the president. Wait, let's hold that for a second. Hold on. Nearly two hour press conference with Joe Biden yesterday. Well, it was a very sad time for our country. I want him forget politics. I want him to do well. He's got to do well. Our country's in trouble. What's happened in the last year, I don't think we've ever had anything like it in this country. When you look at that horrible 
situation in Afghanistan, the way they got out, getting out was good, but the way they got out, we could have gotten out with strength and with dignity and kept Bagram, which is right next to China, one hour away from where they make their nuclear weapons. We should have kept it. Billions and billions of dollars it cost many years ago to build. And the way we got out, soldiers killed, most importantly, and then on top of it, $85 billion worth of equipment, the best equipment anywhere in the world. They have one of the biggest and most well-equipped equipped armies. Now they're selling it to Russia, to China, to anybody that wants it, they're leaving $85 billion worth of airplanes and tanks and 700,000 machine guns and rifles and everything else. It's, uh, I think I heard 70,000 trucks, 70,000. There's no car company in the country that would have 70,000 cars or trucks. And uh, it's just a very sad, it's a very, very sad time for our country. You say, when you say you want him to do well, that's a rare statement from anybody in politics who's secretly deep down inside, you know what? They, they don't want the other side to do well because they don't believe their philosophy will work. I want America to do well. I really do with all my heart. Um, and I, I, the only way that I see that he could change course is, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out today, rightly so, there's no course correction with him. He seems locked into every one of these failed policies. So, you know, it's, you know, you keep banging your head against the wall. Why, why would you expect a different result? So we would have had the wall completed in three weeks. It was largely completed. We did almost 500 miles of wall and the southern border. It was really working. It really had an impact. And we were working along with Mexico and Guatemala, Honduras. We were El Salvador, all of these countries we were working. I stopped paying them because of the fact they were treating us so badly with the caravans. They were putting criminals, emptying their jails into our country. We stopped and they stopped 100 percent. So we had the most secure border we've ever had. And that includes not only people and the wrong people coming in. It also includes drugs. We had the lowest number in 40 years in terms of drugs coming in. People couldn't believe what was going on. And then it's all gone in one instant. And at first I thought it was gross incompetence, but now it's incompetent policy. They really want to have an open border. And I still look at it with amazement. And this week, as you probably read, 121 different countries poured into our country. And we have no idea who these people are. So you look at that and you look at the other things that are happening, what's going on. We're disrespected all over the world. And don't forget, uh, President Xi of China, Putin, uh, Kim Jong-un, Iran, all of these people, these leaders are watching. And when they watched, when they watch our border, when they watch, maybe worse, I tell you, it's, I think it was the most embarrassing day ever. But as I say, what happened in Afghanistan, the way we got out, it looked like a surrender. Uh, they look at that and all of a sudden they have uh, great bravery. So now you have a problem in Ukraine, which you would have never had under my administration. You have a big problem. You watch after the Olympics, you have a big problem with Taiwan. Uh, you have uh, Kim Jong-un, who I got along with very well. But you have Kim Jong-un now, doesn't like Biden. And uh, he's doing his missile thing again. And you have Iran at a level that we haven't seen them in a long time. We would have had a deal within one week with Iran. We would have had it in one week. China now is buying massive amounts of, of oil, of energy from Iran. And that's giving them a lot of money. So they're fueling up and they're they're getting rich. 
and uh, it's a whole different deal. So it's just very sad to what happened. They're all watching and they can't believe what they're seeing. You know, uh, you started with international foreign affairs. Let's stay on that. Uh, you're right about Afghanistan, in my view. Uh, I doubt you would have abandoned Americans behind enemy lines the way Joe did when he promised not to, but he did. And I don't see any hope right now of getting them out anyway. Uh, then you've got President Xi and they're flying their fighter jets over Taiwan airspace and they keep talking about reunification. I agree with your prediction that will happen after the Olympics. Uh, you're right about North Korea. They're trying to bring back the horrific Iran deal and they're lifting sanctions on Iran. But I want to play for you the the I think the most disastrous moment of last night's or yesterday afternoon's press conference. It was too late for him to stay up, I assume. Uh, and that is the minor incursion comment that he made about Russia, Putin and Ukraine. Let me play it. Russia will be held accountable. If it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. Mr. President, if I wanted to stop Putin, 48 percent of his economy is energy. He got a waiver to build the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to give energy to our Western European allies. I would outproduce him and I'd get our energy to Western Europe. If I wanted to stop China, I'd stop all imports uh, from China, and I'd get our allies to join with us. And that would probably put them in line because it would impact them so negatively economically. What is your response to his answer? And what would you do if you were president? So we took in hundreds of billions of dollars from China with taxes and tariffs, and companies started moving back because it was no longer so good to be there. And we had a huge impact. Then you look at what happened with if you if you take a look at what happened with everything having to do with Russia, really what he said last night when he said they may go in, they will go in. And he talked about a minor incursion. And I sort of said, I don't believe he said that because that's like giving him, you know, they use the term green light. He was green lighted. And, you know, it's very interesting because the president of Ukraine last night, he was uh, he was seen in in some very unusual pictures. He couldn't believe what he heard. He couldn't believe what he heard, and I couldn't believe what. If whether you're for strong stoppage or not, you're really telling him you might as well go in. And you also can't just talk in terms of sanctions because sanctions don't mean too much to Russia. Uh, if you want to stop somebody. You're not going to be talking just about sanctions, but he really told him going. I think it's a whole different ballgame right now. If you look at what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, what they've done at the border, they're loaded up with soldiers. That never happened with me. That would have never happened. I had a very good relationship with Putin. But remember, I stopped their pipeline. If we would go back to producing energy, you know, we were energy independent first time in probably 72 years, maybe ever. But the first time in at least 72 years, we had so much energy, we didn't know what to do with it. A dollar 87 at the pumps when I left. Now it's over five dollars in California. It's over seven dollars. The gasoline, if we would get because inflation is killing us. We haven't talked about inflation it's killing us. A lot of inflation has to do with the cost of energy because it's sort of this, this big topic. It has it has to do with just about the making of everything. And if we were energy independent, if we got the prices down, your inflation would 
would absolutely start to drop. But I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to finish the wall, which could have been done in three weeks. Three weeks. In fact, Texas wanted to finish it, and they wouldn't let them have the fencing that was already bought. It's very expensive fencing, by the way. Wouldn't let them use it. They wouldn't let them use it. Very bad, very bad spirit. But me, if we would be energy independent, if the cost of energy came down, you would see a tremendous hit on inflation because right now it's the worst in probably 62 years. It's also good for our national security because then we don't have to really worry about what's happening in the Straits of Hormuz where a lot of the world's energy passes through in Iran. We wouldn't have to worry about Middle Eastern politics as much uh, and certainly wouldn't be good for Vladimir Putin as their economy is so reliant on energy. I, I want to get back to the economy in a minute. More broadly, he claimed, Biden claimed last night that he has probably outperformed expectations. Let me play it for you. Inflation is up. Uh, your signature domestic legislation is stalled in Congress. In a few hours from now, the Senate, uh, an effort in the Senate to deal with voting rights and voting, uh, voting reform legislation is going to fail. COVID-19 is still taking the lives of 1,500 Americans every day. And the nation's divisions are just as raw as they were a year ago. Did you overpromise to the American public what you could achieve in your first year in office? And how do you plan to course correct going forward? Why are you such an optimist? Look, I didn't overpromise, and but I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. Can you think of any other president's done as much in one year? Name one for me. I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm serious. Mr. President, inflation is now at a 40-year high. Build back better. New Green Deal socialism is dead. Their voting rights power play, thankfully, died. We talked about the Afghanistan disaster. We'll get to COVID in a minute. We'll go back to the economy in a minute. Uh, apparently, he thinks he's doing a great job. Your reaction to that comment? Well, I think that our country has never been so disrespected as it is right now by uh, the rest of the world, by the leaders of the rest of the world. And I don't think we've ever been in this position. Even I, I look at it and I, I feel ashamed at what's happened in the last year with our country. I'm ashamed of what's going, going on. And so are Americans. They're ashamed and embarrassed. They haven't seen this. I don't think we've ever seen this like this. Uh, we have lost, you know, they talk about allies. Uh, the, our allies were ripping us off for a long time and I got it stopped. But they're still our allies and they respected us. Now our allies are not even, I don't think they're allies. They don't trust us anymore. Uh, the way they do things, even getting out. I was the one that got us down to 2,000 soldiers in Afghanistan. I was getting out, but we were going to get out with strength, with dignity. We were going to do it the right way. We didn't lose one soldier, Sean, in 18 months. We didn't lose. I spoke to the leader of the Taliban, Abdul, and I said, don't do it. I won't have to go into it on this call, but it was a rough call. And we and they didn't 18 months. We didn't lose one soldier in Afghanistan. And then we lose 13 and many, many wounded, horribly wounded with legs and arms, horribly wounded the way they got out. I, I, the I lift, already know the, the secret because you, you said it publicly that you told them on that phone call that you'd wipe them off the face of the earth. Is that true? We had a strong phone call. Let's put it that way. Not one soldier killed. I, in that would be, that would and be pretty you, strong. You see this horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was so it was strong and he understood it. And honestly, it was going to be a very smooth. There was no reason for this to happen. And I said, I want to take out every nut, every bolt, every plane, every tank, 
every truck. We're going to take everything out and to leave it behind and to leave the hostages. You know, you mentioned the hostages before. Nobody knows how many Americans are there. Nobody even knows, but they're having a hard time. Now they're having a really hard time getting out. You know, we had some great people in there trying to get them out and they were successful initially. Now they're not being successful, as you know better than anybody, because you've been incredible on the subject, but they're having a really hard time getting them out. It's dangerous business. But to leave them there, it would have been so easy. You don't take the military out first. He took the military out first. It's not even believable. Military comes out last. So it's a very tough situation. But we had it so beautifully under control. We had the economy under control. We had no inflation. We had low energy. We had energy independence. We rebuilt our military. We got the biggest tax cuts in history. We get the biggest regulation cuts in history by far maybe even more important than the tax cuts. We got ANWR approved, the biggest, perhaps the biggest site in the world, perhaps as big as Saudi Arabia, and it was done and now it's gone. They terminated it in Alaska. They terminated it. No help from Lisa Murkowski, by the way. So, uh, you know, it's very sad to see what's, what's happening now. And very, it's very joyous when you look back. That's, I think, why you mentioned the book. The book has done well because people look back at that period, even with all the witch hunts and all the fake Russia, Russia, Russia hoaxes that was started by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats and all of the different hoaxes, the, the impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the Mueller situation where no collusion after all that time, there was no collusion at all. You know, you go through that... But it was a joyous time because our country did so well. Our economy was so good. We did so well. And then we got hit with the China virus and we came up with everything that you can come up with. And by the way, no mandates. The mandates are killing this country. No mandates. Got a good decision from the Supreme Court. I put on three justices of the Supreme Court, almost 300 judges. We had almost 300 changed the whole court system. But they just gave a good ruling on that. They're coming up with some other rulings. Hopefully they'll be good. Very important rulings coming up. So we'll see what happens. But it was a beautiful time, and I think people wanted to celebrate it, and I think that's why the book has been so successful. Let me go back to the economy. You mentioned energy. We were energy independent for the first time in decades and decades. We were a net exporter of energy. Um, we're now paying a buck, buck fifty more a gallon. It's going to cost people what five hundred to a thousand dollars more to heat their homes this summer. Uh, the same amount to right. cool their homes, uh, uh, heat their homes this winter, cool their homes over the summer, and inflation is at a forty-year high. Penn Wharton, their analysis says it's costing the average American household up to $5,000 in Biden's inflation tax. Um, that disproportionately impacts, negatively impacts the poor and the middle class in this country. I have always been a strong believer that maybe one of your biggest accomplishments had to do with energy because it does impact the economy, but it also protect, uh, protects us on foreign policy. Again, we're not involved in the Middle East. The Straits of Hormuz don't matter. We're not begging OPEC. We're not begging Putin. And we're creating high-paying career energy jobs. And we also have the benefit of low-price energy, the lifeblood of our economy. Um, that is the one thing I would argue that he could do immediately that would help dramatically the inflation uh, crisis we have, the 40-year high we have there. Do you see that happening? Would you advise him? Would you tell him, so, Joe, this is the single best thing you could do? I would tell him that, but he'll never do it because the progressives, the 
radical left, as I call them, in the party will never allow it to happen. They're never going to allow that to happen. They're never going to allow the border to be sealed up. I tell them, seal up the border immediately. You can do it in four weeks and go back to stay in Mexico. And all of the things that we did, we did so much. We had the border that was so secure. Never been like that. Never been like that. And within a period of months, they just allowed millions of people to pour in far more than you see you know you show the pictures you know and the, on the news they don't show if you go to cnn and msdnc and these various uh, networks they don't show it they never show it on nbc or fake news abc they don't show it